Warning, the following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Taryn Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey there, spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Jessica, and as always, I'm joined by my favorite person on the planet, Tara. Hey, spooksters. Today, we're doing another patron select. So thank you, Brittany, for suggesting this case. Actually, it's a case I wanted to do for a really long time, but Mm -hmm, I just keep mm -hmm, forgetting mm it. Every time we're like, okay, let's figure out what we're going to do. I just kept forgetting to do it. So thank you, Brittany, because it's definitely like, it's been on my list. We're going to be talking about the death of Brian Wells. And I'm not going to give too much. I mean, you know the spoilers because you can see the fucking like. (laughs) It's literally death. Yes. But we'll talk about that in a second. If you would like an episode dedicated to you like Brittany, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com backslash girls. $10 a month and up. Patrons get to pick an episode and we'll do here on the show. We've done a ton of them. But if you mm-hmm. want a dedicated episode, that's how you get it done. I know we've been asked several times that that's how you do that. We also have different tiers. $5 and up get video content. So thank you, Brittany, for supporting the show. It means so much to both Tara and I that you you would support us in this way. Yes, yes. Thank you. Definitely. If you want to hang out with us on social media, you can do so by heading over to Three Spooked Girls at Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. If you want to actually like have some interaction where we're pretty, you know, we're pretty steady in there, head over to our Facebook group, which is Three Spooked Girls Official. We have Book of the Month Club. We do random things in there. We just did like a blind book exchange. We've Mm -hmm. done Secret Satan. We've done Secret Santa. We've done a ton of shit. Yes. And it's also like a good place because a lot of you spooksters, you put articles for others to read, funny memes. I don't know. It's a hoot and a half every time I scroll down. I also got a recent request for me to tell more bird stories. So those will come (laughs) at you eventually. Yes. But yeah, that's what happens in the Facebook group. And reality TV talk because I can't shut up. So (laughs) yes. We just had a lot of you in there apparently also watch Love is Blind. So we've been talking about that. So that made me happy. I was just like, as soon as like people started engaging with it and talking, (laughs) I was like, now you all fucked up. I'm not going to shut up about this until it's over. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But it's a good one. If you watch reality TV, let me know what to watch next. I'm currently sorry. I'm I'm taking this for a second. I got a lot. No, I don't have a lot of time on my hands, but I am currently watching Sister Wives while I work. So I need something else as well. So let me know. Somebody suggested Too Hot to Handle, but 
I will take other suggestions. Okay, I am done now. <laughs> okay. So before I dive into the death of Brian Wells, I have to fucking say something because today it's <gasps> Thursday. Oh, I forgot. Yes. Yes. Today is Thursday, March 3rd. And thank you, Julia Sell, who fucking sent it to me. It was already in the Facebook group, but like she personally sent it to me so that I could fucking read it. And then I immediately sent it to Tara, but Tara was also messaging me at the same fucking time. So I was like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Guys, I fucking like, not only have I predicted so much shit that's happened in this life, like I predicted the fucking pandemic. Uh, (laughs) I was right. I was so fucking right. About? Oh my God. About Sherry Papini. (laughs) I was like, tell them. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. That bitch got arrested today. Or this week or at some point. Yes. Oh, my God. She got arrested. And here's the thing. Remember, I called the fucking sheriff's department and they were like, we can't comment on it. But like, yes, it's an open case. And remember how I was like, I don't know if this made it on the show, but I know Tara and Eileen's talked about it where I was like, something just felt weird about the way she was saying it. It's because fucking Sherry Papini falsified her statement to federal, mm, to federal, Mm-hmm. to the Ugh. fbi no i think we did talk about that because we were like it got turned over to the fbi mm-hmm. which was public knowledge so we're like this is not done we must have found out at like the same time because i opened tiktok after not being on it almost all day because i had a really busy day and people were like leaving in my comments and my dms that she got arrested and i was like what so i ran to google and found that and then messaged you and then i think we both posted about it in the facebook group at the same time i was like i fucking knew it that bitch lied there was just nothing there were so many fucking inconsistencies she wasn't fucking gone girling this situation there was no way and the weird thing is i was just talking about this case the other day i don't know with fucking who like i'm trying to remember like so if you're in my life and you listen so maybe Ginger, if you're listening and it was you, maybe it was you. I'm not sure. I literally was talking about this case with someone and I was like, yeah, it just was like sketchy, like nothing fucking added up. Mm, yes. This bitch. <laughs> mm, so she could serve up to five years and have a $250,000 fine. And then didn't you say something about mail fraud or something? Well, because the thing is, uh-huh. she's been accepting She's accepted $30,000 worth of like victim payout. Have fun paying that back. Yeah. I mean, not you got $30,000, but now you got to pay $250,000. Like, bitch. I have to say, though, her poor kids. I feel bad for her kids. And her husband, her poor husband. I mean, unless, mm, yeah, you're right. I was mean, like, unless he was in on it, but like, no. I don't know. I feel like he's definitely the Ben Affleck in this situation. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Yes. But- I feel like he's the Ben Affleck in this. Oh, my God. It's fucking gone, girl. Yes. That's why I said that. <laughs> Except that bitch didn't get gone. But this one did because she's dumbass. And oh, also, you can take this with a grain of salt. But somebody in my comments said that the Sacramento Bee, I haven't read more on it. So the Sacramento Bee was reporting that there was some kind of like DNA evidence that proved this. So then that's when she like word vomited all of this. So there's that. Sherry? Oh, mm-hmm. so the article that I read, I haven't really. Because you guys know I will spend hours and I need to read over my notes for this show. (laughs) So what I read is that like in December of 2020, they presented her with evidence. I didn't know what the evidence was, but they presented her with evidence that basically was saying like, you're fucking lying. 
And she doubled down. Like, because they gave her an out. They were like, do you want to tell us the truth? And she was like, They must no. have done it again because somebody said it was DNA. They, they said the Sacramento Bee saying it was DNA evidence. I'll have to look. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I'm so excited to rabbit hole and see what the fuck comes out. Yes. Ugh. We will do a follow up episode. We will do like a table talk on this later. Yes, we will move on now, though. Because <laughs> now we need to talk about <clears throat> the death of Brian Wells. If you're like, why the fuck do you keep saying it that way, Jessica? And because I can read the title because this <laughs> is the story of it's either called the the collar bomber or the pizza bomber. So this is a story about Brian Wells, who was born on November 15th, 1956. At the time of his death, he was 46 years old. If you watch the BuzzFeed Unsolved, I love how fucking Ryan describes him. He's like, he was a 46-year-old white man who was 5'3 and balding on top. And I was like, Ryan, rude. Jesus. But like, accurate. Mm. Okay. So he lived in in the town of Warren, Pennsylvania, which was near Erie, Pennsylvania. And I'm having a struggle saying that because I want to say Erie, Indiana. And I don't I know that there's multiple Eries. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically, his parents were Rose and Harold Wells. His father was a Korean War vet. And Wells actually dropped out of high school when he was 16. So he didn't have a lot of like he didn't have like a big education. And mm -hmm. he became a mechanic. So this is what happened. On August 28th, 2003, about 1.47 in the afternoon, the pizza place where Brian worked received a phone call. They ordered two pizzas, both large pepperoni and sausages. So they get this call. And so his boss, because the place he worked at was called Mamma Mia's. And Tony owned Mamma Mia's. And he's the one who answered the phone. Well... The problem was that Tony couldn't understand it, so he hands the phone off to Brian, and Brian takes down this address. And it's something on Peach Street. It's like 3458 Peach Street. And he, you know, gets in the car, and about 20 minutes later, he arrives at his destination. And according to Brian, for the limited time that we have this, because basically what happens is literally less than an hour later, Brian shows up at a bank. Mm -hmm. And he is wearing a white shirt that has the word guess written in black ink across the front of it. And he also has a new accessory that he did not have prior, which is a collar bomb, which according to the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode is something that the Colombian cartel use. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. So he shows up to the bank and he goes inside and people are ob oh, also side note. He has a cane of sorts. Which is a shotgun. Uh, yeah. It's a shotgun cane. I've seen the footage. It's, it's scary. Basically, what it kind of looked like to me was if, like, you had, like, gotten a cane and then just made the handle look like a shotgun. The collar was triple banded and it had several locks on it and it was locked onto his neck. So he goes into the bank. Basically, he entered quietly. The bank was PNC Bank in the Summit Town Center on Peach Street, which is just down the street from where he fucking was delivering the pizza, and basically said, you have to give, like, I need $250,000, get everyone who can get into the vaults together, get this money for me. He used his shotgun cane to threaten people, but it's important to know that Brian didn't actually fire upon anyone. In fact, he let people leave the bank, mm -hmm. which is kind of, 
I don't mean to laugh, but that's the kind of the fucking opposite of like what you normally do. Mm-hmm. The note stated that the bomb would explode within 15 minutes, so they needed to hurry. And one of the things that that was really interesting is that I guess during this time, the teller called for Andrea, which apparently was the bank's code word for they were being robbed. And I thought it was interesting because like the BuzzFeed and Self guys were like, one of them, I think it was Shane, was like, that's a dumb word. And I'm like, it, or Ryan, I can't remember which one it was, but they were talking about how like it was dumb that it was like Andrea. And it's like, to that point, like, it should be something that could just pop up in everyday language. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, if you had an Andrea that worked there, you would change it. But like, you wouldn't want it to be something that you were like, you know, like, snuffleupagus. People be like, what the fuck just happened to my teller? Or that teller, <laughs> right. she said something weird. Right. But like, to be like, hey, I need Andrea, like, everyone would know what to do. So he basically, you know, waited and he got he got he did get some money but it was nothing close to the $250,000 which here hear me out guys don't rob small town banks they don't have a lot of money in them right so he got $8,702 that was probably all they fucking had mhm i think they he literally cleaned them out and that's all they had cuz i mean it's a small ass town right at that point in time someone had called 911 to report that a male had left the bank with a bomb or something wrapped around his neck and that was at 2:38 and the police showed up and they caught him very quickly it wasn't very long and yeah it was like 15 minutes after that they basically caught him because this is the other really weird thing. So his story is that when he went to deliver pizza, four black men jumped him, forced this collar onto him, and told him what to do. And that if he completed this task, he could be saved. And he had basically like a quote-unquote treasure hunt. It was like written out step-by-step instructions of what you should do. And if you do this, this is how you'll get this collar off, right? And one of the things that is widely known is that it said, act now, think later, or you'll die. And this was scrawled on the instructions. The instructions were handwritten. They were like, what the fuck? It was said that he was supposed to go to the bank. After he left the bank, he was supposed to go to the McDonald's, go over by the drive through sign, and dig around in the flower bed that was there to find his next instructions. Like, the fuck? Right. And... <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's inconspicuous. Like, okay. What the fuck are you going to do if that's what they give you? Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, so basically he tells the police that he got called to this destination, that four black guys jumped him, and that they forces on him, and then he's doing this scavenger hunt, and he's just trying to survive. And he keeps saying to them, like, guys, like, you have to get me out of this collar because it's going to run out of time. I'm going to die. And the police were like, I don't think it's not that they weren't taking it seriously. I think they were just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do, you know. And so they basically have him handcuffed and he's like sitting there talking. They have called the bomb squad. They called the bomb squad at 304. The bomb squad arrived at 318. But at 315, the bomb went off. Yeah, and there's a Netflix documentary on this, and I believe, because I watched that forever ago, and 
I think the actual footage of this is in that. Mm-hmm. It's, or wherever it is, it's fucking just haunting. It just is. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, I've seen that, but like what I remember is the device started making this really like high, kind of like loud, high pitched noise, mm-hmm. and then it went off. At first, I was like, okay, a bomb around his neck. At least he'd die instantly. Mm-mm, he died slowly. Yeah, it wasn't good, and it basically it blasted a fist sized hole in his chest. I was like, oh shit, poor dude. Ugh. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of like, so the police have to like start acting on this they're like what the fuck so now the police have started to investigate into this and they're like okay how are we gonna find out who this was because obviously they figured out that brian was lying about who abducted him and they were like brian must have done this himself right Mm. but there are some other people now there are four potential suspects and i want to start by talking about the first one because this is March, so we are talking about women murderers. Yes. yes. So Marjorie Eleanor or Marge Dial Armstrong. Whew. She was born February 26, 1949. She not only had like she was bipolar, but she also had a lot of like I'm just gonna say the bitch seems kind of like a serial killer to me. She's mm. dead, so no mm. one can at me for this. <laughs> So basically, her first husband, she killed, or her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. she had a boyfriend, she shot and killed him in self-defense. This was in 1984. She shot him six times as he lay on the couch because he had basically been committing, like, domestic violence against her. And so she was acquitted of those charges because of the domestic violence. Then... She got married and her husband fell into a table and died from a head injury. Hmm. Interesting. Right? She was not a lucky person. Hmm. To say the least. To say the very least. Now, how she's kind of connected to this case is there was a man by the name of William or Bill Rothstein. And he had actually dated her a couple of times and they had twice been engaged. They dated in the late 60s and early 70s, and he was actually, he was actually, oh my God, he was implemented in a murder in 1977 because he'd given Mm -hmm. a handgun to a friend, but basically got off because he, like, he got immunity because it's basically he just tried to, like, destroy the gun, blah, 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 whatever. But still, he wasn't a good guy. He was a handyman who also was a part-time shop teacher, which is important to note that he was very mechanically inclined. It was also noted that both Marjorie and Bill were fucking hoarders and disgusting. According to the police when they entered (laughs) Marjorie's home, her house smelled like dog shit. Like it was that bad. Like it was horrible. And so he... Just putting it out there, he was inclined to, he was inclined to be able to commit this, this type of murder because he had the wherewithal to build the bomb. Yeah, he had expertise in this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It was also noted that around the time of the murder, around the time of Brian's death, he ended up going to the dump and dumping like a thousand pounds. And at first I was like, how the fuck can know this? And I was like, oh wait, because when you go to the dump, you have to give them your name. 
Mm-hmm. And then and they like weigh. ID <laughs> and then they weigh your vehicle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's how. So basically, he could have gotten rid of lots of evidence during this portion of time. And how Bill comes about this is he starts feeling guilty about something completely different. Our good friend Marjorie had a boyfriend that she did not like anymore, and she shot him while he was sleeping in her bed. And she calls up her good friend Bill and is like, hey, Bill, we've been engaged twice. You love me, right? Okay, Bill, what I need you to do is I need you to come get my now ex-boyfriend because he's been shot and murdered in my bed and put him in your freezer. And then once he's frozen, I would like you to chop him up and disperse of his body. NBD. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, Bill does the first part of that request is that he goes and gets him and puts him in the freezer. And But the problem is is that Bill has a little bit of telltale heart issues going on and he decides, fuck this, can't do it, and tells the police. So obviously Marjorie and Bill both get arrested. Mm -hmm. And while they're there, another man will enter into the picture. His name is Kenneth Barnes and he is a retired television repairman. So remember like where... Brian was picked up, was at a television tower place. hmm Yeah. But Kenneth was also a crack dealer. And he was good fishing buddies with Marjorie. And the story goes, they're all connected. And that Brian is possibly connected. I'm going to talk about him in a second. But basically, how they kind of connect these colorful individuals to Brian's death is Bill had actually written a suicide note and wrote in there, this has nothing to do with the Wells case. Which the police were like, well, that's fucking suspicious. Right? They're like, uh, the fuck it doesn't. (laughs) Because then they start realizing there has to be a connection. And there is. By a woman of the name of Jessica Hoopsick. And Jessica Hoopsick is a sex worker who often hung out with Kenneth Barnes because he supplied her with the drugs she liked. And Jessica had a frequent relationship, is what they're calling it, with Brian. And so there were times where Brian would be at Kenneth's, because that's where Jessica was, to have their relation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And apparently Jessica was also friends with Marjorie. Another way that they were all three connected is Kenneth also has himself a mouth where he likes to brag about shit. And he had told his brother-in-law, hey, I was part of the whole Brian's murder bullshit, blah, blah, blah. When Kenneth was in jail for like drug charges, his brother-in-law was like, uh, excuse me, your honor. (laughs) I guess I to tell you. (laughs) He did it. (laughs) So here's how they think this happened. Marjorie needed money to kill her father because her father had money and was spending it like water. And she was like, nope, old man, you need to stop spending that money because it's going to be my money one day. Stop, stop, stop. So what I'll do is I'm going to hire Kenneth Barnes. Kenneth is like, cool, pay me X amount. I'm assuming it was around Mm $250,000 to do this. She goes to Bill and goes, how can we do this? Marjorie was also said to be really smart. Like, she was one of those people, like, everyone said, like, she thought she was the shit. She thought she was smarter than everyone else. But she was, like, I don't know, like, she was, like, smart, but, like, that's what would get her. Right. It's because she would think that she was so smart. Her ego got in the way. Yeah. 
Right. Like people who don't realize, you know, like, oh, well, somebody could literally, you know, somebody could catch on. She's like, "Mm, I'm too smart for them. So the original thought is that they were like, okay, we got to get this person. So it's either that they saw Brian as an opportunity or Brian was part of it, which Brian's family is like, that didn't happen. So basically what they were saying is they picked him out. They got him. Oh, also, the police did determine that the phone call came from a gas station Mm -hmm. on Peach Street, which just so happened to be at the time that Marjorie and Kenneth and Bill were at the fucking gas station. (gasps) OMG. Oh, my God. Right. Marjorie had gotten gas and she told the police that she had gotten gas and that she even said that Bill had um, used the payphone. Now, like, Marjorie's obviously, like, facing time because she killed her boyfriend. Bill, okay, I just want to tell you something. Bill didn't get any charges ever laid against him, not because he's some miracle of miracles. It is because he died before it happened. So nobody get all like, Mm -hmm. oh, no. But basically, they start talking to them. They get them together. They get them in a, like, they start talking. Marjorie, I'm going to just tell you about Marjorie's part of this, and then I'll, I'll do each person's part if that makes sense so marjorie you know goes before the cops she's being arrested for her ex-boyfriend's death his name was james Roden, and they'd been together like 10 years mm-hmm. and she just got mad and killed him with a 12-gauge shotgun over money and apparently she killed him because she needed money which later on there's a cons- there's a theory that she killed him because he knew about the plot and was going to turn mm-hmm. them in so she killed him instead yeah. Gotcha. So Marjorie kills her boyfriend, asks Bill to like hide the body and then clean up the crime and paid him like $2,000, blah, blah, blah. So she's in jail. She's going through this. She actually, in, 2000, in January of 2005, she pleads guilty but is mentally ill because she does have a bipolar diagnosis. And because of that, she only receives between seven and 20 years in prison for killing James. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. However, while she's in there, she's like, okay, I'm going to start telling you. And so she kind of starts talking about the plot. And she basically is like, Brian was involved. Brian knew what was going to happen. We were going to put the collar on him, which is one of the reasons why they think he was involved just because he was so calm in the bank. And they're like, you know, we did this. We told him this is how this would happen. You know, she basically starts telling them enough. She implicates that Bill built the bomb, that all this shit happened, blah, blah, blah. And then goes, well, I'm not going to tell you anymore until you give me immunity. And the police were like, mm, honey, you told us more than we needed to indict you. <laughs> yeah. More than that. Like, it wasn't like she's like, okay, I'll tell you everything if you give me. But no, she dumb. I'm over here like, I can't. I know. I just can't fucking believe you, lady. Marjorie was found guilty of this. In April of 2005, Marjorie, like I said, she basically tells information about the case. She meets with the FBI. She tells them this stuff. She's not that smart. In 2006, U.S. Attorney Mary Beth Buchanan announces that Marjorie and Kenneth actually are charged with the crime and that Marjorie was the mastermind. Like I said, Bill had died and obviously so had Brian. So she goes to court in July of 2008 and their initial findings is that she was at first mentally incompetent to stand trial due to her mental disorders. 
And she was actually sent to a federal mental health facility in Texas. But in February of 2009, she got a new date for March 11th, 2010. And she was considered to be competent to stand trial, which I like this system because like she obviously got help. Mm -hmm. So after that, she was like, cool, I can actually stand trial. So in October of 2010, she took the stand to defend herself. She asked for a change of venue. She didn't get it. She basically said that she wasn't going to get a fair trial anywhere in Erie, which I get. But like, yeah, I just don't understand her. Like she has so many strikes against her. It just wasn't going to. Wasn't going to pan out for her. (laughs) Hell no. But it's that ego, man. It's that ego. Totally. So on November 1st of 2010, she was convicted of the armed bank robbery and conspiracy to commit armed bank robbery and using a destructive device in a crime. On February 28th, 2011, she was sentenced to life in prison as well as consecutively for her 7 to 20 years for killing James Roden. But she tried to appeal a couple of times, but she actually passed away of breast cancer in prison in April of 2017. Mm. She served the rest of her life in prison. So mm-hmm. Now, Kenneth also was charged with this as well, but he cut a deal early on because he wasn't, he wasn't fucking dumb like Marjorie and then like right. told his old master fucking plan and then was like, Mer. no, he actually... Yeah, he was, he at first was given 40 years. He made a deal, it was 40 years. Mm -hmm. And then it got Mm -hmm. changed to 20 and he would have been eligible for parole in 2027, which isn't that far away, but he actually passed away June 20th of 2019 Mm. from diabetes related. Oh, gotcha. Like I mentioned earlier, Bill, like literally there's an FBI agent out there who's like, Bill, Bill knows everything. Bill knows the whole plan from A to Z, top to bottom. He is the mastermind, not Marjorie, blah, blah, blah. But the motherfucker died. Yeah. And, I mean, he died July 30th of 2004. Mm -hmm. And the crime happened in August of 2003. So, not good for him. Now, that kind of, like, if you've watched the BuzzFeed Unsolved or the documentary, that's kind of where it left off. Mm-hmm. But in 2018, there Miss Jessica Hopesick or Hoopsick came out and admitted that she was involved in the plot. Oh fuck! Mm-hmm. She was approached to find a gopher to kind of be the person to rob the bank, and she identifies Barnes. She identifies. I think this may have been in the documentary. It may she, have been. Yeah. Yeah. She basically identifies the people who were involved with it and she basically says that she's the she recommended brian because he was quote unquote a pushover yeah yeah i think it is on the netflix thing yeah it's been a minute since i've like watched that documentary so yeah (laughs) yeah honestly the one thing i haven't been able to find out is like if she served any time i'm assuming she pled some sort of deal probably this is one of those cases like where it's like, are we ever really going to know the truth? Because no. I mean, the only thing that we have is like what Jessica has said. Right. Because everybody else is dead. Right. Everyone else is dead. So what are we what are we going to do about it? This is like one of those like weird cases because it got a lot of attention like right away because of the fact that it was such a unique story. But the family of Brian Wells did shut it down. And it was said that Brian was like a really nice guy. like. 
in the 10 years he'd worked at the pizza place, he'd taken only one day off the entire time, which was because his cat died. Oh. Right? Like, Mm. that's the kind of sweet man this was. I mean, granted, he was running around with some seedy people, but, like, who hasn't? You know, basically, he was a hard worker. His boss loved him. His his landlord loved him. She said he was always on time with his rent. He was always just, he was a good dude. He was quiet, kept to himself. I mean, like, as a landlord, that's perfect. And the only issue she had is he had a lot of fucking cats. Yeah. So here's this, like, normal guy, this, like, probably a little developmentally stunted because, you know, he didn't finish high school. It didn't seem like he had a ton of social skills. So... They just kind of, like, picked him out of a lineup and went, that dude. Yeah. There is a movie that came out inspired by this story in 2011. It's called 30 Minutes or Less. And basically, a pizza delivery guy is picked up and forced to wear a vest bomb and rob a bank and deliver money and all these crazy things happen. And the Wells family actually got, like, they were really pissed off about this. Well, yeah. Yeah. But it was said that later. I think like Sony was like, we didn't think it was real. Which, come on, Sony, you fucking knew that was Google. Like 2011, Google was a thing. Exactly. Like there was news articles, everything on this. Like bullshit. Mm -hmm. They were exploiting a death. Right. And I mean, I've seen the movie. Everyone knows I love Parks and Rec and Aziz Ansari is in this movie. So, of course, I think it's funny because Aziz Ansari is in it. I do feel bad for the family of Brian Wells because that's got to be like a fucking horrible thing to like have depicted. But if he honestly was just like a gopher or like an escape goat, I get why you'd be upset. But like it should be like Marjorie's family that should be more upset about this because they're depicting her as she's not like her character is a dude in the movie. But like I don't agree. She was not a good person, so I think it's the focus is around the character that's essentially Brian, so it's gross. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a really fucked up thing, and this was a time in American history where, like, people were really sensitive about bombings, because 9-11 had just happened, you know? And I think people saw that type of extravagance Because he could have walked into that bank with a fucking cane gun and robbed it. Mm -hmm. He didn't need the collar. So like the shock and awe of it. And I just think about the first responders who were like, you know, they're all standing around like protocol is they can't go in because they're not trained bomb squad. Yeah, that just sucks because it's like that's the situation, you know, like you said, with those cops that are sitting there just watching him because like. They couldn't do anything. They didn't know how to take it apart without killing everybody, like, themselves and, you know, all of that. So, like, you're just sitting ducks waiting for the fucking bomb squad to show up. It's horrible. Some bomb technicians have looked at it and said the thing would have gone off if someone had tried to take it off anyway. I honestly think that Brian was never, like, once they put that on him, he was never walking away. Yeah. One of the conspiracy theories is is that they were going to put him in that collar. He was going to go rob the bank, come back, hand them the money. Even if he was part of it, they weren't going to take it off. They were just going to kill him for his part. I don't know. It's just this case is like one of those really like it's interesting because it's again, I saw the movie before I knew about the case. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is too. I mean, the movie is extremely exaggerated, like extremely. Well, yeah, yeah. But, like, I was like, that would be fucking insane if it was real. And I remember that's what made me think, like, I Googled 
right after I saw the movie, like, could this have ever happened? And then I saw that it had happened. And I was like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. The whole robbing a bank with a bomb is just, it's completely, it's so different than what we're used to seeing. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you, Brittany, for requesting it. Again, it was one that I have been wanting to do, but just kept forgetting to, like, when we would sit down to plan out, I'd be like, I'd forget about it. Right, right, right. I'm glad that we got to talk about it on the show. Like we said earlier, if you want a dedicated episode like Brittany, head over to patreon.com. It explains it there. And let us know what you think of this case. Head over to our Facebook group. There's a discussion post, so let's chat about it. Yes. With that, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.